0: A Mitch and Jeremy exclusive. <laughs> Are you ready? On air. How yeah, you doing? Online. <laughs> you ready to have a good time? On your smart speaker and wherever you stream. The
1: Mitch LaFon and Jeremy White Show. The
0: Mitch LaFawn and Jeremy White Show.
1: Available wherever you stream.
0: Catch up on past interviews and episodes. On demand now.
2: Subscribe so you don't miss any event. Oh, Yo. look at you. Look at your fancy uh, backdrops! Wow, fancy. Well, you
0: know, we just uh, we just had Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics, so we we, we cleaned up. We, we had, yeah, we clean
1: up.
2: <laughs> oh, well, I'm I'm impressed that you had you talked to Dave of the Eurythmics, and, yes. and now you, now you're gonna come slum it with me and <laughs> it? Uh, come on, you're a legend. Uh, let's get right into
1: this. Our next guest is one of the greatest names of. LA Punk, Uh, the new single from X, John Doe, El Romance Zero uh, coming from the forthcoming record, Dark Folk Solo Album is the way they're describing it, Fables in a Foreign Land, going to be available on May 20th, you can pre-order it now wherever you get your music, a bunch of tour dates uh, hitting the road as well, welcome to the show
2: for the first time, from X, John Doe Mitch, Jeremy, what's happening?
0: What's going on? So So um, We're we're hanging with a legend, that's what we're doing, what's going on? It can't go wrong
2: That's what I say every morning when I look in the mirror. How's it going, Legend?
0: I'm telling you, yeah. By the way, uh, no. when when you see police blotter uh, blotters, and you see John Doe all the time, does that at some point get a get?
2: Well, get, get... I've I've cut back on looking at police blotters uh, <laughs> uh, you, you Funny see you should De- ask. Yeah.
1: You see John Doe everywhere. You're like, oh shit, am I dead? No, <laughs> oh, every day. Uh, he's like, oh my it's God.
2: it's entertaining. Uh, you know, when when you go to a a bank and you're trying to, uh, you know, (laughs) deposit or withdraw money and you see your name on the check, it gives you a laugh. Uh,
1: Sure. You just sign it
2: X. (laughs) Yeah, I was exactly three witnesses. You're good. (laughs) I was, I was inspired by John Waters and Andy Warhol to change my name and all the, all the kids in punk rock were changing their names. And so I, uh, I picked mine and it was a good thing.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It worked out. Uh, so, geez, I'm just thinking about L.A. Punk and stuff. My my buddy Adam Laborn is a huge fan of X, and he was standing side stage last time you guys played at Punk 77 in Montreal. And uh, I was telling him, "I was like, yeah, I was like, John Doe's coming to the show." He's like, "What?" So he gave me a whole bunch of questions. But before I get to that, I just want to yes. know. I mean, at the time in L.A. Punk, um, did you ever get the chance to hang out with David Lee Roth and any of the guys from Van Halen around the scene?
2: David Lee Roth was a huge fan of our friend Top Jimmy. Yeah, who was, a, who was a blues singer, and um, yeah, I mean, they were on a whole nother level, and you know, uh, but he was nice enough. He, he was entertaining. He was a you know complete maniac and right on. That's what you're supposed to do when you're the lead singer of Van Halen. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Did you ever just look out and see like David LeRoth, David Roth like in, in the crowd from one of your shows or?
2: no no never came see X? don't know maybe at some point later on
0: yeah no
2: it was uh none of the music music ex- establishment wanted anything to do with la punk rock
1: right
2: and that was that was totally fine with us right that's like good i don't you know you you don't want to at your party that's fine because you don't ne- necessarily have to come to ours either yeah that's good we'll just keep it separate
0: we'll keep it separate uh, quickly talk to me about that because uh, you know we do talk about the music business and of course it's a uh, businesses are about making money was was this sort of the anti-establishment thing and and how did you sort of maintain it for all these years going on almost 50 years if you weren't about you know bringing in the the, the pennies and the nickels and the dimes uh, talk to me about sort of the business aspect of this and how do you maintain it
2: well, I think that's a, a bit of a misconception. I think it was when the DC punk right. came, came along that it became much more militant. Although the Minutemen uh, were and still, and Mike Watts still is very much a socialist. And, and I believe in that stuff too. But we just thought we could get into the music business and change it and just right. get them to sing you know to, to go we thought we might be along with the ramones and blondie and talking heads and you know people like that we thought that we would just be the next version of rock and roll there's you know there's beatniks and then there's hippies and then there's punks and then there's you know some goth and whatever right um you know we we weren't like the sex Pistols saying we're here to destroy rock and roll and fuck all of you. And right. we, you know, you're stupid and lame and all that. And then, and then the media responded by saying, Oh really? Fuck me. Well, how about fuck you? And I don't cover anything you do. Right. <laughs> how about you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in the, in, in the seventies and through the eighties uh, we're still too weird to be on your kind average TV radio station no we got a little bit of coverage coverage on mtv but right um yeah we weren't that type of band we're still a little bit too weird and that's okay um Mm -hmm. because we have we didn't have like one hit right we have a lot of songs that people might recognize and Mm -hmm. that way you kind of maintain your own credibility and and we're, we're in this uh we're kind of a fortunate sweet spot in that you either changed my life or I don't know who you are. And that's good. You know, it's like, Oh my God, you changed my life or who?
1: Right. <laughs> like, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: It's funny that you say that, you know, you guys, thought you were gonna maybe be like the next uh you know incarnation of like rock and away or something. But at the time, I mean you look at the bands that were coming out of LA and like the, like who the rock bands were and you had, you know, it was the Van Halen and like listen to the radio was Def Leppard and Motley Crue was coming up and then it got all hairy and cannonball snare. But the punk side, they refused to even go anywhere near that stuff. Uh, was it hard to try and like stay true to your roots and not sort of like sell out?
0: Or gloss uh, it No,
2: up? no, because we didn't well, we did try at one point, um, which was an uh, artistic failure, uh, mm-hmm. but actually got us the, the furthest onto the charts. Um, when we stopped working with Raymond Manzarek, we did four records with Raymond Manzarek, mm-hmm. and he was a mentor, and I still miss him. Mm-hmm. And And we thought, well, maybe... We started believing our own hype. And I, I kind of covered this in one of the punk rock books that I was part of uh, collaborating on. And... Uh, we made a record with Michael Wagner who had worked with the Scorpions and some other yeah, metal yeah. bands. Now now he works in Nashville like Mutt Lang and, and his, you know, now they've fucked up that, <laughs> that genre. <as> well. <laughs> hey, Mutt Lang did wonders roll, the country. <laughs> yeah, fucking up rock and roll wasn't enough for them. They had to go to Nashville and fuck that up too. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> no, but well, they use the same motherfucking snare. The they same do? snare sound that was on, Motley Crue is now on, you know, Shania Twain and uh, well, the, yeah,
1: the Cannonball, the commercial snare, the snare that sells records. You mean? Yes,
2: exactly. <laughs> um, but no, we 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 just we, this is all we could do. This is what yeah. we we knew, you know, and that was to raise credit. Yeah, he knew that we were pretty well on our way. Yeah, and, right. and we had developed a sound, and so I'm not going to be a producer and try to make them into something that they're not.
1: What did Ray bring to the table? I mean, did he tell you some crazy tales from back in the day? Like, what was the
2: experience sure. like? His what, what he brought to the table was uh, he gave us, he gave me, and uh, I think he gave Exene confidence and validation because mm. here is someone who is part of rock royalty, you know, a la the Rolling Stones or the Beatles. I mean, the Doors are, have just as much credibility. If they're not way, more. right up yeah, there. They're way up there, and and so and he also just didn't get in the way and he didn't make it fancy and he just concentrated like the doors on a good performance uh something that's that tells a story something that's heartfelt and um i would give him credit for choosing the songs that went on to the first record los angeles um we had a number of songs that were on the second record that were already written when we released la Mm -hmm. and so uh yeah that's what he brought um, it's funny yeah. that you guys decided
1: to work with Michael Wagner because I mean like that kind of is a bit of a departure
2: <laughs> well you know we just didn't we thought because we had we were going to be the next big thing for right. like three records yeah and we weren't we thought well maybe we don't know and Exene was driving around in her 1968 Cougar which was a total fucking hot car nice and uh, she heard wild thing and she thought we could do a version of that. Wouldn't that be fun? And we sort of did it on a whim and we, and the record company said, Oh, try this guy, Michael Wagner. He's, he's fun. And he was fun. And doing uh, wild thing was very loose and crazy and had a big, you know, 15, 20 track chorus going wild thing. (laughs) And, uh, and it was fun. So we thought, okay, let's do the next record with him. Mm. Not really understanding that he was very German and wanted to have everything in its place and and everything charted out and and it kind of s- took away some of the enjoyment of making the record, took away some of the kind of, um, uh, you know, some what was soul, right? I don't know if it was the yeah, somewhat, but but also just the the immediacy of it, the the kind of joy and and like whoa, it's, and it's all spontaneousness. Happening right now. Spont- was it like spontaneity? Yeah. yeah.
1: Was it like a scientific way of making a record? Like, it's like, it's like oh, that was a great performance. Now nah, let's do it 20 I, more times.
2: Yes. Yeah. Ah. It's what, okay. Uh, it's what a, it's is a way, our- but it's just a, it's just a different process. And, and I, you know, I like doing things one way, and people like doing things another way. It's so you can get to the same end, you know, I think, mm-hmm. different ways.
0: What is your approach to to making records? Because I I used to uh, to talk a lot with Alan Niven of Guns N' Roses, and he'd say, you know what? There's perfection in the imperfection. You 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 capture a moment, and you capture something that has soul to it. Is yes. that how you approached your, all your record making? Like, you know, four guys in a room, and 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 or, or four guys and a girl in a room, and and let's go. Or do you like yes. the, the the session takes and the, the let's do it again? And
2: oh no, I I think that. Uh... I think of a record as a, a record of what has happened in the time that you're given and at the point you are in your life. So it's, it's a record of that. Um, I just made a finished a solo record of about a year ago and it's coming out now yeah. and it was, uh, created on somebody's back porch with upright bass, muffled drums an acoustic guitar and a voice. Mm. And that's the way we recorded it. We were in a really nice studio in Austin. And um, we just set up and played, put up a bunch of microphones. Steve Berlin from Los Lobos and Dave Way from Too Many Credits to Mention. Both Grammy winners Mm -hmm. were the producers along with myself. And we didn't have headphones and we didn't have monitors. And if you fucked up, then you had to do a different take. Right. (laughs) You could cut between takes, but you had to use the whole thing because the vocals were in the bass mic and the bass was in the drum mics and there was so much bleed. It's a thing. And, and that's, that's what I prefer to do.
1: So it's a real proper live record. Like You'll let the performance beat the star.
2: Yes. Yeah. And it's very stripped down. We only have a couple of... Um, we don't have any overdubs. We had a couple of guests come in. Uh, a woman named Carrie Rodriguez, who's a terrific violin player, and a guy named Josh Baca, who plays button accordion. Down in San Antonio, in a unbelievable conjunto band called uh, Tex Maniacs, and nice. if if you ever if they're ever around here, they mostly play t- play Texas, but they're like real traditional conjunto music. It's awesome.
0: Uh, so it says here that uh, "Fables in a Foreign Land" is my version of folk music. Uh, well, how is it your version? How is it uh, different than traditional folk music?
2: I didn't approach it from some academic point of view right right i didn't you know <laughs> chart out what you're supposed to do it's just yeah and and talk about the business you know i i made this this very strategic business decision to, to write a record about the 1890s because it's such a hot topic these days yeah totally <laughs> <Older laughs> no, it's uh-huh. not right. no it's not uh you know, maybe when Deadwood was out, but uh, not so much now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you should
0: have tried 1980s. You
2: should have just inverted it. Well, you know, a it's a, you of know times. that's really funny because there was a, a review or a, an article uh, that started out saying uh, the new John Doe record is uh, written about the bleak times of the 1980s. And it's like, in a, in a way, it was, <laughs> <In> a way. <laughs> there was some bleak moments. It kind of applies. <laughs> when Ronald Reagan was president, it was pretty yeah. bleak. Yeah, yeah. It,
0: well listen musically it was terrific i mean we had the eurythmics and we had uh u2 and we had def leppard i mean what else could you ask for in life (laughs) <laughs> um lot uh, Fables of big, in a Big Music <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fables big in a mean. Foreign Land uh the John Doe Folk Trio going to be hitting the road I uh, catch him at the City Winery in Philly on June 15th also performing in Milwaukee at the Shank Hall June 25th Um my buddy Adam wanted me to ask you a couple of questions the first one was besides fellow slash record label mates uh who else did you like from the LA punk scene
2: Oh uh the plugs were one of my favorites um the weirdos had this huge sound Um, screamers of course, because they were just like so far ahead of their time and, uh, and, and kind of a, a a media experience as well. Um, See who else? Uh, The brat from East LA were awesome. Uh, I mean, of course the germs, you know, depending on, (laughs) on how far they got, through their set <sharp families> they, would, they would do this thing traditionally the germs would play their play a show and sometimes it was great and sometimes it was like not so great and then invariably they would end up by playing the song called shutdown which is the last song on their only main record right. and they would it was like a, a war of attrition and it's a very simple song and then Darby just you know kind of riffs over that, and it was like they would play that until the audience left. <laughs> it would play it like for ten minutes, and after eight, you're just going like, oh Jesus, I don't know if I can stay here. And then and it's and the same finally, lick the whole time. Well, it, it, would, it would it would a traditional kind of blues uh, okay. progression, so it'd right. be one four five.
0: Yeah. That's a pretty you know good you, bit, though. It's a good it was a, bit, but if they really want to clear the room, they just need to throw in a drum solo. People leave right fucking away. <laughs> no, they just, yeah. <laughs> they just go get a drink. Yeah, they just go get a drink. drum solos are for peeing, right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I I loved all those bands, uh, and then of course when Los Lobos came on the on the scene, uh, I would always go see them, and and they still can be one of the greatest bands ever uh, on a given night.
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Uh,
1: uh, what was it like working with Terry Funk, Ben Gazzara, Sam Elliott, and Jeff Healy in Roadhouse?
2: Oh, as much insanity as you can imagine. <laughs> there was one time. There was one time that, that we were driving around Fresno, drunk on our asses. Um, Terry Funk and oh god, I can't remember the other actor. And and we got lost. We were going like the wrong way, you know. And we crossed the median. Un, you know, down into a ditch and like turned around and went back the other way on a Jeez. two-lane highway. Oh God! And it, w- it was because we went to go see Merle Haggard's son uh, play at a at a honky tonk. That's pretty cool. Um, it was so there was so much money going around. I mean, really? they scheduled they scheduled everybody for like seven weeks of work, and you know, you would make pretty good money on a thing like that. You know, maybe five seven grand a week. Wow. Plus, plus overtime and shit. It's like, yeah, I want to be an actor. Totally. All this acting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that wasn't SAG scale at the time. I'll bet.
2: No, no, it was. It was a little more than that. But yeah. um, and it went for like twelve weeks. Mm-hmm. It's like, sign me up. Sure, yeah, take it. It was, it was get awesome. It. And Terry Funk gave me the line, uh, "Chicken dick." Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was written like chicken shit. And I said, "That's just too cliche." Mm-hmm. Come on, come on, chicken shit. You know when I'm waving a knife at Patrick Swayze, right? And I said, "Terry, Terry, Terry, what can I say? What can I say? Come on, man." And being the ultimate wrestler. Texan that he is, <laughs> Texan wrestler he is, he goes, "How uh, about chicken dick?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is great. <laughs> <laughs> it took him all of like three seconds to come up with that too. Well, what was PTA
1: like to work with?
2: Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson was very, very simple and straightforward and, and encouraging and, and, um, just do your thing, get in there and do your thing. And it's very interesting because people that have seen that, uh, Boogie Nights will uh, want to, especially when it came out, would come up to me and say, oh, you were such an asshole in that, in that part, in that movie. It's like, um, no uh julianne moore cried at the after that scene was over but mm-hmm. i was the one uh-oh what happened uh-oh there? yeah i'm here just you just went away
0: oh, oh, oh i forgot
2: clear. to turn off my um phone i'm sorry hold on
0: oh that's why oh uh, that, when somebody texts you or something it, 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 yeah wait a minute um hold on one second i'm sorry yeah, yeah i'm telling you all good that phone uh, is the decline of the western civilization yeah it, it's awful uh,
1: the new single from X is John Doe El Romance Zero uh, available now also taken from his forthcoming Dark Folk solo album Fables in a Foreign Land coming out on oh, May 20th you can pre-order that now wherever you get so your music He's back <laughs> so
0: unprofessional He's been, I bet Dave Stewart didn't do that no no, no. he actually not. gave us a, a tour of his studio it was terrific <laughs> but, oh, but oh, that, that telephone man it's the decline of the western civilization it just i is.
2: totally agree yeah it throws
0: I agree. everything off by the way working with penelope spheres uh
2: it was it, it was a little bit uh, fraught because we were sort of sad and and maybe pissed off that that she wasn't. She didn't cover the original LA scene with those bands like the Plugs and the Alley Cats and mm-hmm. right. you know things like that. Because that was uh, and the Go Go's was way more inventive and positive. What she was covering was the the you know uh, the dark side. It, well, in the 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 time, the moment in time where hardcore became more dominant and it was more testosterone and it was you know it was darker. Right. And that was in, that was in like late 79, uh, 19, you know, in 1980 when, you know, black flag and, and, uh, circle jerks and people like that were, and, and their audience, which didn't really get the inclusive, uh, artistic part of it. Right. Right. But, but I, I think she made a great movie. Um, <laughs> the thing they didn't say is that we filmed our part after we had played two shows at the whiskey had taken some um, illegal substances that make you stay awake and then went back to John and Exene's house and filmed from like two in the morning. After we had played the shows, unloaded our gear, came back to the place. They had already set up the lights and everything and had a party, a tattoo party from like two in the morning until the sun came up.
0: Wow! And when the sun
2: came up, they said, oh, shit, we have tinfoil on the... (laughs) on the windows (laughs) but we still have to stop filming because the light is leaking through and it looks different damn yeah under (laughs) under bizarre circumstances we made that movie but where where all that that that. footage
1: is now like all those outtakes and stuff yeah oh
2: god who knows but the thing about paul the thing about paul thomas anderson and that scene is that he made a movie so that you identified with the with the bad people in the Mm -hmm. in the movie. And so I was a guy who was trying to keep his kid out of this area where they're making like dirty movies and snorting cocaine and having, you know, like, what's her name called Julianne Moore. Will you call me, you know, can I be, will you be my mommy and stuff like that? (laughs) I just wanted to keep this kid out of that world. It's like, no, I don't think that that's a good place for a kid to be, but I'm an asshole because Paul Thomas Anderson is a really good director.
1: Of course, Golden Age porn star Veronica Hart in there, too. What, what was she? Yes, like?
2: I, It's like, I had no idea. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't in, I wasn't, I didn't know those sorts of things yeah. <laughs> back then. Uh, <laughs> so she was just cool. And yeah, then, then I was told, oh, she's actually does uh, porno movies and has created this whole business out of it. And I thought, well, you go, girl. Right. You know, that, that's the way to do it. If you're going to be it, you know, be the boss. <laughs> you're going to well. be there, be the boss.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, look, uh, John Doe. <laughs> Hold Max, on, I got one more
0: question. I just have one more question. Oh, yeah, go question. for it. Just, uh, the, the decline of Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years, there, there are scenes in there that it's come out now that Ozzy and, and Chris Holmes and all that were sort of staged. Was yours mm. a real movie, the one that you were part of, or were there parts that were staged as well?
2: I I can only speak for our part, and and right. that was not staged at all gotcha you know they said what what do you want to do for this and, and we had had a couple of tattoo parties in the in the past and we thought well this will be striking let's do that cool so we, yeah although I I heard some things about you know people being given some illegal substances prior to as as a rider of sorts, oh,
1: really, <laughs> which, Coke which was on that? the rider. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I don't know. Uh, it was like, I'll do this if you do that, kind of thing. Ah, you know. And uh, then they ended up being like not very smart on camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely Oops. mangled. <laughs> Oops. Who cares? You know, I don't care. I'm, you know, 21 years old. What do I care? Fuck you. Right.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Except when you look back at it now, you just go, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Yeah, well,
2: <laughs> <laughs> the people I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about can't look back at it because they're gone. <laughs> so right. It's right. Like yeah. it just plays into their legend. It's it. <laughs> Yeah,
1: you let the legend live on, right? Uh, Fables in a Foreign Land coming out May 20th. You can pre-order now wherever you get your music. Also going to be hitting the road, too. Uh, you hit them up on the social media and everything. Um, visit the website. Uh, of course, X the Band, a couple of different tour dates this year. And uh, John Doe, man, uh, what more do you want? This was absolutely awesome. Total legend right there on our screen.
2: You're welcome. I am on Instagram as John Doe two E's. And uh, X the Band, or I think it's X the Band Official. Okay. Uh, we're doing a big tour with the Psychedelic Furs and that's going to be fucking great.
1: Yeah, and I think wow. you guys are coming to Montreal with that
2: show.
0: Yes. Yeah, so we're going to yeah. have to go check that out, Mitch. Yes, we yeah, are. Psych Furs are coming, yeah.
2: Yeah, they made a great record uh, back in 2020. Along, you know, X made a record back then. We're playing new songs, old songs. and Yeah, I'll be in the East Coast and Midwest in June and on the West Coast in October.
1: Awesome. Perfect. We're going to have to Come catch up down. when you're in Montreal.
2: That'll be awesome. Yeah. I'd love to. Yep,
1: absolutely. All right. Sounds go.
2: good. Till the next time, fellas. Mercy. John, we'll see you soon. All sure. right, we'll see you very soon. An all new episode of the Mitch Lafon and Jeremy White Show. Tuesday at noon.
1: Available wherever you stream. Catch up on past interviews, bonus content, and episodes
0: on demand now.
2: Visit youtube.com slash Jeremy White Show. Follow Mitch and Jeremy on Twitter. Yeah, they're verified. At Mitch LaFon and at Jeremy White MTL.